0: Lord, but because you're a loving Heavenly Father who is a sovereign God of all. And yet you call us to come to cast our cares upon you because you care so much for us. We're here today because you loved us so much that you sent your Son to die in our place on the cross of Calvary. Paid the debt completely that we might be set free from the guilt of our sin and the condemnation and the death that comes with it. And because you died and rose again, there's a resurrection. And Lord, as we're here today and, and, and shy is with you, we thank you for the resurrection. One day we'll be together again. But between here and there, I thank you that you're the God of all comfort and the God of peace, the God of hope. And so, Lord, we just pray this today that his family and this church family, as we just think about him and gather together in a few days or whatever it is to memorialize his life, that we celebrate his victory and we experience your comfort and your grace. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray for every man that's here today and those who are listening online that your grace would be just something fresh for them today. That you speak to our hearts. Lord, that you just make it a blessed day for every father. And we just thank you for all of these things in Jesus' name. And if you can agree with any of that, say amen. amen. You may be seated. It is good to see you this morning. We are glad that you are here uh, on this Father's Day, and lest I forget there will be breakfast served, or breakfast you can serve yourself after the service, um, but it won't start till 945, so you need to stay until I'm done preaching, because you won't get to eat anyway Okay, um, uh, just because it's Father's Day take note of the uh, announcements in the bulletin and uh, appreciate all of those who brought your baby bottles back And if you forgot, I got good news for you. We have Grace. You can bring them next Sunday or Wednesday or any day during the week and drop them off. And Martha will be happy to take them to Caring Pregnancy Center. And uh, as I'm speaking of that, just continue to pray uh, for all of the Caring Pregnancy Centers. Uh, If Roe versus Wade is announced as being overturned, uh, there is a plot to attack all of those kinds of places and and churches included that are are pro-life and just pray that God would confound the work of the enemy. Um, The uh, summer camps are coming. Uh, Grace International, the last two years we had to uh, postpone the camps because of all the health hazards with COVID and the health requirements uh, that the health department would have, but this year, no matter what the health department says, we're having camp. And so kids camp will start on July the 6th through the 8th and then junior high 12th through the 15th July and the teen camp 19 to 22 on the bulletin board back there, there are registration forms for students and for workers. And uh, they need both to go to the camp and uh, get those filled out and get them into me. Appreciate it very much. Um, Don't forget the sneaker thing. And whatever else is in the bulletin, I forgot to bring one in front with me, but you can, you all read them, right? Yeah. yeah. Thank you. In the, on the back table, men, uh, today, uh, we wanted to just to uh, give you a token of our uh, appreciation for the fact that you're in church on Father's Day and something perhaps to inspire your walk with Jesus. I have some books there by Patrick Morley. I have the newest version, the updated version of The Man in the Mirror. We passed this out a number of years ago, but he's updated it a little bit uh, to make it because it's 25 years since I think he wrote the first one. And uh, there's some things in the culture that went way beyond what we anticipated 25 years ago. And so he's updated it. So you can take one of those books if you already have one of those. Um, We have some leftover from a year or two ago. Uh, How God Makes Men by Patrick Morley. Uh, you can take one of those. Um, and if you don't want either one of those, if you hurry, there's a few left from last year, the four voices. Um, that men, and actually women hear the same voices, but he wrote it, he write, he's in men, men's ministry, that's his ministry, so he writes to men. Uh, four voices. You can take one of the Patrick Morley books, and then on the other end of the table, there are some leftover from previous years devotionals for men and you can take one or two whenever they're gone they're gone because they've just been in a box in my office and i don't need them in my office anymore Um, and so take one uh, of these devotionals and if pass it on to somebody else um, and read those Um, and one other thing that a number of years ago, I ordered some keychains for Father's Day and they came the week after Father's Day. And so there's little red box back there and they have this cute little light so you can find the lock in the dark um, providing you can figure out how to get the key in there at the same time. Um, I put it on a real keychain because it's it's a token gift, okay? But it has Faith Family Christian Center, or Faith, yeah, and uh, other information. So there's a number of those out there, and uh, if you're around after the second service, and there's anything left, you can have whatever's left. At the moment, I want to have a video of that we're going to see for Father's Day, okay?
1: Today is a special day, and it's bigger than we think, because there are many different kinds of fathers, and they all need to be recognized and honored today. Today, we honor those fathers who consistently strive to balance loving their wives and children with being good, godly workers at their jobs. May you feel the pleasure of God. Today, we honor those dads who had poor fathers themselves, but who have committed never to become the father they grew up under. May your children continue to be guarded from any of the hurt you carry. Today, we honor the fathers who are older and who no longer have day-to-day obligations to their own children. May the family gatherings this weekend make you feel like you could do it all over again. Today, we honor the adult children of fathers who were absent. May the God of the fatherless become your father in ways you've only dreamed of. And may you believe with your whole heart that his leaving wasn't your fault. Today, we honor men who have no children of their own, but who father younger men as mentors and guides. May you see your important roles as impacting and life-changing. And finally today, we honor fathers who have passed away. May their good deeds live on through you, and may their careless deeds be corrected in your lifetime. Today is a special day. So for all the fathers we mentioned, and even those we didn't, be honored, be blessed, and be joyful. We believe that you have what it takes to change the world. And you're doing it one relationship at a time. Happy Father's Day.
0: Happy Father's Day to the few that are here. All the males, whether your father or son or both, I wanna bless you for being here today. Thank you. Thank you for not reading the Longview Daily News that said the Mariners had a special price to be at their game today. And you joined us here in the house of the Lord. Uh, And in case you didn't catch it when I was praying, Cy Smith was promoted to be with Jesus this past week. Um, And uh, so, Pray for Dolly, pray for his two sisters who are sitting with us today. And uh, that, um, But that's what he wanted to do. He'd come to the point where he was tired, said, I wanna go be with the Father. And uh, so he's spending Father's Day with our Heavenly Father. And uh, so look forward to whatever announcement will come in the future regarding a memorial service. Today, I want to divert from our study in the book of Romans uh, and I want to speak a message to men, but everything that I say to the men today will apply to women too, because in God's sight there's neither male or female, uh, Jew or Gentile or slave or free. There are some principles that we all live by. Um, and. Uh, I want to speak to men, not as an expert on what it means to be a a man of God, but one who's on the journey with you, learning how to be a man of God. Do you realize that you could have been born at any point in history in the past 6,000 years, but God and his sovereignty chose for you to be living right now? Do you realize you could be living in any nation of the world? But by God's grace you are living here today in the United States of America. You and I are here today by God's design. And the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You have a divine purpose. I have a divine purpose. Now, I, I have a belief that God has, by His Spirit, has a way of drawing us towards that purpose and then empowering us as we submit to that purpose to fulfill it. Now I chose that video a few moments ago And all of those with a photographic memory, remember I showed it last Father's Day. But as I looked at, I don't know, a dozen of them, what I wanted to focus on was the sentence right towards the end of it, where they said, we believe you have what it takes to change the world, and you are doing it one relationship at a time. We believe that you have what it takes to change the world and you're doing it one relationship at a time. I said it a moment ago that you were here now by God's design at this point in time. The God who reigns over it all. If there was ever a time in the history of the United States when there is a need for men of God, to stand up and be counted. To stand up and, and, and go to war in prayer for our nation. It's today. We have watched Romans chapter 1 played out before our very eyes over the past four or five decades. You say, what part of Romans 1? I started to read a whole section and it was too gruesome. I'll just read the summary. In verse 32, Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. They not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. If you want to read it and you see read the rest of the context, And then just kind of overlay the newspaper over that. You will see that we are living in a time. And it says, it goes on to say, and God gave them up to the consequences of their choices. Oh, how we need men of God, how we need women of God in this day and age to come against. The powers of darkness that have infiltrated our culture. Not only do they give approval to outright a rebellion against God, but they're doing all they can to silence the voice of men of God and women of God. To say that we do not have the right to speak, but we believe because it's bigoted, because it's racist, because it's whatever. In a day such as this, I do believe there's hope. There's hope because Jesus lives. There's hope because Jesus reigns. There's hope because he lives in his church, and he said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I believe there's hope because he's calling men to be men of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit. It'd be very difficult for me not to think of my father on Father's Day. And by that, I don't mean I don't think of him every day, but on Father's Day, I, I pause to thank God that I had the privilege of carrying his name. We sang Blessed Assurance because that was my dad's, one of my dad's favorite hymns. And if you want to know why we, why I chose that one this morning, The other one's all about the father, and and that one was the one my father sang constantly around this building. This is my story. This is my song. I thank God for the, the privilege that he gave me to be born into his family. I thank God that he modeled for us what it means to be a man of God. He was not perfect. I won't tell you his faults, but he was a man with a heart after God a man of faith a man of integrity I meet people in the city who knew him who have nothing to do with church and from their lips they will say he was a man of God a man of God he lived by the mantra you only have one life to live and only what's done for Christ will last You only have one life to live, and only what's done for Christ for last. A big part of who I am today is because of who my father was, the influence of my life. He was the kind of man who understood what it means to change the world one relationship at a time as he shared Jesus with one person and they gave their heart to Jesus and that person began to share Jesus with somebody else and pretty soon it multiplies over by the hundreds. Now, while I could put together a pretty good sermon talking about my dad, I want to take an example from a man in the Bible. He wasn't a preacher. He wasn't a prophet. He wasn't a king. But he was a man of God. A man that exemplified by the pictures that we see of him in the scriptures, what it means to be a man of God. A man that we can learn from. If you want to follow along in the notes, or if you want to open your Bibles to Numbers 13, uh, we're going to read quite a bit of scripture this morning. In Numbers 13, verses 1, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, every one a chief among them. As we pick up this narrative in the 13th chapter of the book of Numbers, it's somewhere in the second year since Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt. They miraculously crossed the Red Sea when God blew an east wind and part of the waters, they walk through on dry ground, and somebody says, Well, it was only knee deep. I have a friend who went to Bible it wasn't Bible college, a university. And he went to this university and came back and told me the Red Sea was only knee deep. Well that even makes the miracle greater because God drowned the whole army of the Egyptians who came after them in knee-deep water. I don't happen to believe it was knee-deep at the moment, but God miraculously set those people free. And, and, and so for the next year, a little over a year, they're, they're, they're going through um, the wilderness area because God's preparing them to go to the promised land that he promised to Abraham 400 years before. They ended up in Israel, remember, because of the famine in Canaan. And uh, they discovered that there was food in Egypt. There was food in Egypt because God sent Joseph. Remember, I told you, God has you here at this point in time for a reason. He sent Joseph. The brothers hated him so much, they sold him to the slave traders. He ends up in, in Egypt and God uses him there to, to store food for seven years when there was great harvest, so during the famine, Jacob and his son, seventy of them, moved to the land of Egypt. Pharaoh gives them a place to live in Goshen, and then Joseph dies, Pharaoh dies the next Pharaoh dies, and nobody remembers Joseph in the palace and these Israelites, they're multiplying like rabbits. So they made slaves out of them for 400 years. Almost 400 years, they were slaves in bondage, building, making bricks from straw and mud. When they left and crossed the Red Sea, the scripture tells us that there was over 600,000 men, not counting the women and children, Over 600,000. There's over a million people that Moses is leading out. They have been crying for deliverance, and God delivered them. Now they have come to Kadesh Barnea. They've been at Mount Sinai. They've received the law. They've received all the commandments of how to live in a society. And now God has brought them to the Jordan River, the Kadesh Barnea. They can see the promised land, the land that God promised to them. And so it says, verse 2 said, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. You need to underline that in your brain. I am giving it to the people of Israel. That's God's promise. I'm giving you this land. So Moses calls for a leader from each of the 12 tribes. And skipping down to verse 17, Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, go up into the Negeb and go up into the hill country and see what the land is and whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, and whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, and whether the cities that dwell in are camps or strongholds, and whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are trees in it or not. Be of good courage. Bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. For the next 40 days, 12 men travel through the land of Canaan, going from place to place, taking notes as to what they see. And, and they were able to go to the Negev, they were able to go to Hebron. Hebron, that was like, I don't know, like going to some special place in the United States like Gettysburg or something like that because that's where Abraham was buried. That's where Isaac was buried. That's where their wives were buried. That is where Abraham was when God said to him, I want you to look up at the sky. You're going to have as many children as there are stars in the heaven. As far as you can go, as far as you can walk, wherever you place you put your foot, I will give you this land. That was in the area of Hebrew. I'll give it to you and your children. They saw all of the things that the, the the fruit and the, all of the, the fertile ground, but they also saw giants and walled cities. But I'm getting ahead of stuff. Verse 26. They came to Moses and Aaron, and they came back to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation. And showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, We come to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the Jordan. Verse 30, but Caleb, but Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, we're not able to go up against this people for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim. And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. If you read on, it says the people lifted a, a, a loud cry. They wept all night long. And then they launched a protest against Moses and Aaron. Their protest was Israeli lives matter. Think I'm kidding? They said it would have been better for us to die as slaves in Egypt than to die by the sword in this promised land. Joseph, or Joshua and Caleb, as Moses and Aaron fell to the ground and crying out to God, Joshua and Caleb, tearing their clothes, signifying their grief at what is happening. And then Joshua and Caleb tried to reason with the people. Chapter 14, verse 7 says this. And Joshua and Caleb, we don't know which one is speaking. We always give Joshua the credit, but as I read it again three or four times yesterday... Joshua and Caleb said to all the congregation, of the people of Israel, the land which we pass through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us, Do not fear them. Then all the congregation said, Stone them with stones. I mean, they just declared the word of the Lord and the response is stone them with stones. But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the people of Israel. At this point, God had been pushed to the brink. God speaks to Moses from the tabernacle. How long are these people going to despise me? How long will they not believe me? In spite of all the miracles that have already taken place, the Red Sea turning bitter water sweet, manna coming down every day, and then when they got really bad attitude about not having any meat. He gave them more meat than they could handle. They got sick of eating quail. Miracle after miracle, God said, I'll give you that land. And they say, we cannot take it. God said to Moses, I'm going to send a plague. They're all going to die. And I'll raise up another group of people who are mightier and greater than these are, and I'll let you lead them into the promised land. And Moses said, Lord, you can't do that. What will the Egyptians say? What will the other nations say? You brought them out here to kill them? For your name's sake, Lord, you can't do that. Pardon their iniquities. According to your greatness and your steadfast love, you see, on the mountain God had revealed to him, When he said, I want to see your glory, that he was a God of mercy. And his mercy went from generation to generation, up to a thousand. And so Moses praised that prayer. God said, "Okay, here's the deal. No one over 20 years of age is going to put foot in the promised land. You're going to wander in this wilderness one year for every day that the spies were there. For the next 40 years, they will all die except Caleb and Joshua who believed the promise. I want you to see this next verse regarding Caleb. Verse 24 of chapter 14. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land into which he went and his descendants shall possess it. A man of God, number one, is fully committed. Fully committed to follow Jesus Christ, to follow God. God is speaking here in verse 24. It's God speaking to Moses. It's God saying, Caleb has followed me fully. If I've counted right, there's six places in Numbers and Joshua where this statement is made, that Caleb followed God fully. The story of the Israelites living in Egypt, being led out of Egypt into the promised land, is a true story. It really happened. It's a historical fact. But here is the interesting thing about the story. It provides us a visual picture of the New Testament covenant that you and I have through Jesus Christ. It's a picture of our salvation. Egypt stands for the place of sin, a life outside of Christ, a life of bondage, bondage to ourself, bondage to sin, bondage to that do-what-feels-good nature. You remember the last plague in Egypt before Pharaoh said, okay, go, the Passover, where they took a lamb into their house. I think they kept it there. If I remember right at five days, they kept this land inside the house and then they killed the lamb and put the blood uh, on the doorpost and over the lintel of the door. And at midnight or late at night, the angel of death went through in every house where there was blood on the, on the door, the angel passed over where there was no blood. The firstborn in the house died. You remember when Jesus was sharing the Passover meal with his disciples the night before he was crucified? Remembering Egypt, he said, this is my body, this is my blood. Today, Jesus is our Passover lamb. And and he's the one that that we find our salvation in. He delivered us from sin. Our sins are forgiven. We're free from condemnation. We have eternal hope. Death will not win the victory over us. To be absent from the bodies, be present for the Lord. When we're saved, going into the promised land is not like going to heaven. Going to the promised land in the Old Testament is what Paul calls working out your salvation. Now, how many of you were perfect right after you got saved? Maybe for a minute. You might have even made an hour or two. But we're all in the process of becoming more like Jesus. And the story of Joshua, the story of taking Canaan is a picture of us Becoming sanctified and, 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 be, and walking out our salvation. In order to be a man or a woman of God, it calls for total commitment to follow Jesus Christ. Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Well, Caleb didn't know about Jesus or the cross, he knew about God. He had heard the commands that God had given to Moses. He'd heard them read. The people all declared, yes, we will follow those. Number two, a man of God has a different spirit living in him. My servant Caleb, verse 24, said, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully. A different spirit in him. You remember what Jesus said to Nicodemus, the man who came to see him at night? Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. I have to go back in my mother's womb. No, that's not what you do. What's born of the water is flesh, and what's born of the Spirit is Spirit. You need to be born again in your Spirit. Remember when Jesus was baptized in Jordan River? You remember what happened after He came up out of the water? The Holy Spirit descended on Him and came to rest on Him in the form of a dove. Look at Jesus' words in John chapter 14, verse 23. Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him. and He will come to him and make our home with him. We will make our home with him. Jesus let us know a little later in that, in that, that I'm going away because the Holy Spirit will come and he will be in you. Because Caleb was fully committed to following the Lord, he was a man with a different spirit than those not fully committed. And we have it better than Caleb did because the completed work of the salvation of the cross, as I just said, means the Holy Spirit can come and live within this vessel. Don't you know that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit gives me the power to live a committed life. He gives me the power to be a witness to the reality of Jesus Christ. He lives in me to teach me and guide me in all truth. And truth is Jesus. Each and every day of my life, we can submit ourselves to the influence of the Holy Spirit. That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Submitting myself every day to Him. Paul tells us that God works in us both to will and to work His good pleasure. By His Spirit, God will empower ordinary men to do extraordinary things. By His Spirit, God will empower ordinary men to do extraordinary things. Caleb had a different spirit. Have you surrendered yourself to the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit? Number three, A man of God believes God's word. A man of God believes God's word. Caleb and Joshua went on the same journey that the other 10 guys went. They saw the same things. They all agreed on the facts. The land was fertile and prosperous. It, it flowed with milk and honey. Not literally milk flowing with river. But what they're saying is there was, there was fertile ground where the flocks and the herds were, were prospering. And, and it was a place where the flowers grew and the bees created hives. And you had all the great things that they needed in life. It flowed with milk and honey especially compared to the wilderness they've been wandering in. And and remember the grapes? They took one clump of grapes, one. It took two men and a pole to carry them out. I mean, we're talking a place where it was fantastic. They also saw walled cities. And archaeologists tell us some of those ancient cities had walls that were like 30 to 50 feet tall and 15 feet thick. Remember Jericho, Rahab lived in the wall. Her condo was in the wall, her apartment in the wall of, the, of Jericho. That's how they got out of the city and escaped uh, when Joshua sent the spies in. And the facts were indeed, there were some people there. Now, did you notice when I read it earlier, I don't know if you caught on to it, but they said all the people were tall. I doubt that all the people were tall. But you know how it is when we begin to talk about how bad things are. And we begin to, and there's giants there. There, there, there's a, the forefathers of Goliath. There's the guys who come from Anak. And in fact, you can read the scripture that there was guys there who had six fingers and six toes on each hand and foot. I mean, they were Ripley's believe it or not type of individuals. And the committee of the 12 spies was divided into two opposite groups, two opposite opinions. There was the majority report and the minority report. And the differences in the reports is where they put the but in the report. The but or the however. We read where the majority report was however or but. It's a land that flows with milk and honey, but. People who dwell there are strong. the cities are big and they're giants. And we are like grasshoppers in their sight. Now, how do they know what those people thought about them? The minority report is. Yes, but you do not have to fear because God has already given them to us. God promised this, this land. Let's go because we are more than well able Caleb, uh, Caleb believed the word of God. He believed the word of God. When the ten saw giants, Caleb saw God. Oh, that we would lift our eyes beyond the circumstances. Things look pretty bad in our culture. So much so that I hardly ever watch the news. Because there's people who want to make it worse. Fuel the fire. Let's see God. I'm not saying being ignorant, but let's see God. God is greater. God is greater. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen? When ten saw cities walled to heaven, Caleb saw cities reduced to rubble. God had said, I will give you the land. That's what Caleb saw. He saw the victory on the other end. They saw cities walled to heaven. He saw cities reduced to rubble. When the ten saw a dreadful army what Caleb saw was a defeated enemy. A defeated enemy. Did you know the Bible says that Jesus made an open display of his victory over the powers of darkness? The power he has now is deceiving people to think he has power, and they submit to that deception. But in the name of Jesus Christ, we resist the powers of darkness. When ten saw only obstacles, Caleb saw bountiful fruit. They saw only obstacles, he saw bountiful fruit. In this day and age that we are living in, we absolutely must do what the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews chapter 12, Verse 2, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter or the finisher of our faith. Fix your eyes on Jesus, lest we become like the Israelites, paralyzed by fear. God does not give us the spirit of fear, but of love and of power, sound mind. Number four, a man of God is not swayed by popular opinion. A man of God is not swayed by popular opinion. Not only did Caleb and Joshua stand on the opposite from the other ten spies, the ten spies got a whole lot, hundreds of thousands of people on their side. To the point that they called, let's just... Let's just execute those two guys. Let's stone them to death. We will silence this this craziness about trusting God and going in there. They stood their ground. This is what God said. I'm going to believe it. God promised it. I'm claiming it. Period. I was writing that. To my mind came the song, My hope is built on nothing less. Than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly stand on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking stand. Number five, a man of God is consistently faithful. And I know those two words might be redundant. I was going to make two points, but I made one for time's sake. Consistently faithful. He's consistently full of God. Caleb said, we are well able. 45 years goes by and we turn to the book of Joshua. The past five years, it it had been five years now in in the land of Canaan, taking one city after another city, going from one to the next. See, God told them, I could wipe out everybody, but you wouldn't be able to possess the land in time to keep from wild animals and all kinds of things going wrong. So you're going to take it one at a time. And by the way, that's how the Lord works in sanctifying us. We get victory in another area, and you think, well, I've got it made now, and then the Lord will reveal to you another area of your heart that you need to... Well, that's probably something I should not do anymore because it's not being fully committed to the Lord. And step by step, we become more like Christ. They began to possess the land. And we come to chapter 14, and, and it's come to this point that now Joshua is dividing up the land to the different tribes. He's, he's given to them their estate, their family inheritance that will be theirs for the rest of the of their lives in fact, the generations to follow. We come in Joshua 14, 6. Then the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal. And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God in Kadesh Barnea, concerning you and me? I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever, because you've wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive just as he said. These 45 years since the time the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel walked in the dark wilderness. And now, behold, I am this day 85 years old. I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going and coming. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there with great fortified cities. It may be the Lord will be with me, and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. Then Joshua blessed him, and he gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, for an inheritance. Therefore, Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. Now the name of Hebron formerly was Keroth Arba. Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim, and the land had rest from war. I don't know if you ever try to put yourself in the picture when you read the Bible or read a book, but I, ever since I was a kid, I like to imagine I'm in the scene. And here's the old man Joshua sitting under an awning someplace there in the land of Canaan, He's got out a scroll and a quill and he's calling individuals from each one of the tribes, each one of the families to come and up walks this man who's 85 years old. We have two old geezers. The only two over 65. Everybody else is 20 years younger because everybody else died. I don't know how old Joshua was. He lived to be 110. I don't know how old he was at this point, but we know how old Caleb is. I'm 85 years old. For 45 years, he continued to wholly follow the Lord, consistently faithful. We don't know much more about this man, but we know this. He held on to the promise for 45 years. He did not forget what God said, and he was not going to settle for anything less than God giving him the promise. To be a man of God, to be a child of God, a disciple of Jesus Christ, faithfulness is required. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. Seems to me I read somewhere in this book that Jesus told a story about a man, a rich man, who was going on a trip, and he divided up some of his money with three of his servants for them to take care of, to invest, and and to to make to to work for him. And when he came back, the man he gave the five talents to that amount of money. He said, What have you done with the five talents? Here's those five, and I've gained another five. Well done, good and faithful servant. To another one, he gave two talents. He brings the two talents. I have two more. Well done, good and faithful servant. The one he gave one talent was afraid and didn't do anything with it, buried it in the ground, and said, Here's what you gave me. And you remember the story. Cast this one into outer darkness. Faithfulness is a characteristic of our Heavenly Father. We sang about that. Great is thy faithfulness. And I am so thankful that God is faithful. What if God was capricious? How many of us would be here? I mean... He got to the point twice, he said to Moses, I'm going to just wipe out these Israelites, these chosen people, these people I chose to reveal my... It's a good thing God is faithful and His mercy endures forever. I think about Paul's words to the Galatians, Do not be weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you faint not. For 45 years, Caleb held on to the promise. That impresses me. It encourages me. On a personal level. Maybe I'm preaching to me today. I don't know. But it's been about 35 years since three different preachers in three different cities, three different times. They don't know each other, never met each other. They all said, I have a word from the Lord for you. And they, they, this word that they gave to me, some of it was the exact same words that the other people had used. It hasn't come to pass yet. It's 35 years. A couple months ago, a young preacher who probably wasn't even born 35 years ago said, I have a word from the Lord for you. And he repeated again. So I guess I can't quit yet. There must be another 10 years. It's only been 35. And he waited 45 years. Encourages me today. I hope it encourages you, if you've been believing for something and you haven't seen it yet, be faithful. Be consistent. Be consistently faithful. Faithful to pray. Faithful to pray. Be faithful to read the Word. And maybe more important, be faithful to obey the Word. Don't read the Word to argue with it. None of us have ever done that, right? Lord, you really don't mean that, do you? Faithful to obey the word. Be faithful to your family. Be faithful to attend church, because the Bible said, do forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Be faithful to honor God with your tithe, because God said if you don't, you're robbing him. In case you've never heard of tithe, that's the first 10% of your income. Be faithful in integrity. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Let your word be your bond. People will disbelieve you. Be faithful to serve others. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. And Paul said, let the same mind be in you. Number six, a man of God is courageous. A man of God is courageous. Verse 12, now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim, that's the giants. You heard how the giants were there. You heard that the cities were fortified. It may be the Lord will be with me, and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. Perhaps Caleb was standing close by when the Lord spoke to Joshua after Moses had died, and and God is confirming before the people of Israel that he has chosen Joshua to carry the mantle that Moses had. And in Joshua... Uh, Chapter 1, not once, twice, but three times, God makes a statement. I'll just read the third one in verse 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Today we need to be courageous believers, men and women who are courageous in the Lord. The enemy shouts at us to intimidate us. But David said this in Psalms 27, Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. What that says to me is as I wait for the Lord, as I dig into the Lord, as I spend time with the Lord, His strength will be imparted to me. Isaiah 40 says, verse 31, that those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. The man up with wings as eagles, run and not be weary, and walk and not faint. Courage comes from being in the presence of the Lord. Because my courage is now not based upon my puny muscles. My courage is now based upon the fact He walks with me. He walks with me. And He said... I will never, never, never leave you nor forsake you. So you can boldly say, I will not fear what man can do to me. Caleb had the same mindset that David had when later on in history, David stands before the giant Goliath, as tall as that wall right there, nine foot six, nine foot eight. And he was an average sized Jewish boy. And he said, I don't come to you in my might. I come to you in the name of the God of Israel, the name of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And you're going down today because God is with me. Paul said, if God be for us, who can be against us? We are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loved us. Number seven, a man of God enjoys rewards that others miss. A man of God enjoys rewards that others missed. All of Caleb's peers, except Joshua, died in the wilderness. They died on the wrong side of the river. They had been close. They had seen the promised land. Ten of them had walked through the promised land, and they saw the incredible things that were there compared to the wilderness they were living in. A land that flowed with milk and honey but they were all buried in the desert. Caleb took on a task that nobody else wanted. He said, Joshua, give me the hill country. Give me Hebron. And he went up against men who looked like giants and indeed were compared to him. But he went in the name of the Lord. And men of God leave an inheritance for his children. A man of God leaves a... a, Inheritance for his children. In Caleb's case, it was more than just the real estate that he left them. That real estate became theirs, and it was theirs, and according to Israeli law, it should be theirs for all of time. The family tree. But he left them more than that. He left them the example of a godly father. He showed them what it was to fully commit yourself to follow God the ways of God. He left them an example of a man of faith. Give me, give me that place. Give me that mountain. Give me that hill. I'm going against those giants. Maybe the Lord will be with me. He was saying more than, maybe the Lord will be with me. The Lord will be with me. He left the example of a man of faith. Number three, he left the example of courage when everybody else quaking with fear because of what they saw with the natural eye. He went beyond what he saw with the natural eye and with courage said, I believe God. And because I believe God, we can take this. We can do this. He left the example of a life they could follow. They left the example of a life they could follow. I think of the words of the Apostle Paul when he said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. I'm thankful that I had a father who showed me how to walk before God. And my prayer is that my children have seen me walk before God an example they can follow. On this Father's Day 2022, I remind you that God is looking for men like Caleb, godly men. We are engaged in a battle against a culture that is in a downward, downward spiral to destruction. At the moment, the war we're fighting is not the kind of war that they fought in the land of Canaan in the days of Joshua. In those days, it was like Russia going into the Ukraine and just wiping out people. The battle we are fighting is in the spirit realm. It's a war that calls for men and women to walk faithfully and constantly before the Lord. Who will stand up for what's right. Who will invest themselves in something that will last for generations to come should Jesus tarry. God is calling men to step up and be a man of God, willing to lead others by their example. Are you that kind of man? Are you that kind of Christian, ladies? Is there something stirring inside of you today to say, I want to be a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ? Number eight, a man of God doesn't do it alone. A man of God doesn't do it alone. Moses sent 12 on the mission. Joshua later would send two. Jesus sent the disciples. He sent out 70 in pairs of two. Peter said in 1 Peter 2, 5, we are living stones being built up a spiritual house. We need each other. We need each other because together we have what it takes to change the world. Together we have what it takes to change the world. You say, really? Yes, because we have Jesus and Jesus has us. We have Jesus. And Jesus has us. And Jesus reigns. Jesus reigns. Jesus reigns. Let's stand and sing. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I'll live for you. fully committed to you. We've discovered that's a a daily situation, a daily decision. Lord, here I am, a living sacrifice to do your perfect will, to be renewed in my mind, transformed by your word and by your spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the call. Thank you, Lord, for the reminder Lord, that you want to do great things in this day and age through us, through ordinary people who say, I'm fully committed to follow you. Thank you for each person in the room. Thank you for the men here today. God, I pray your blessing upon them, upon their families, those who've come behind them. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your protecting hand upon our families, your grace being poured out Lord, we pray for the salvation of our families. God, that each and every one of our children and grandchildren would come to know the reality of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Thank you, Father. And Lord, for those of us who've messed up along the way, we thank you for your grace. Thank you that the promise of, that you gave to Joel is that you'll restore what the canker worm has destroyed as you come with your power and your grace and your spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us, your faithfulness to us. And Lord, that we can emulate that faithfulness as you live through us. Lord, we pray that you bless our time around the table, bless the food, bless the hands that prepared it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for being here. You're invited to breakfast. Give Rick and Don and the whole crew out there.